This episode of Pompey Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. If you want to stay in the know about everything that's happening in Portsmouth, from news to culture to food, of course sport and Pompey, take out an online subscription with the Portsmouth News website today at Portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Not only do you get unlimited online access to award-winning reporting, but with fewer ads and free access to our digital edition and mobile app, you get all the Portsmouth you need. Our trial offer starts at just £1 a month for the first three months. Hello and welcome to Pompey Talk, the news podcast. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by Chief Sports Writer Neil Allen and Blues Writer Will Rooney to bring you bang up to speed with the latest from Fratton Park. On this week's podcast, Out the Blocks. After their announcement, can the fixtures aid a fast start for the Blues? We break down the programme and how the fixture computer may have just been kind to Kenny Jackett's men. Signing silence. Is the lack of activity worrying or do supporters have to do what take that say and have a little patience? Bright young thing. Is Liverpool starlet Ben Woodburn just the type of signing Pompey need? And the secret pre-season game. We delve into the bizarre world of Brighton and Hove Albion who don't want Pompey's friendly with the seagulls reported on. We're now available on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So give us a listen, like and subscribe to get each edition delivered to your device and keep your finger firmly on the PO4 Pulse at portsmouth.co.uk. Hello and welcome to your latest edition of Pompey Talk, the news podcast. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by my estimable colleagues, Will Rooney and Chief Sports Writer, Neil Allen. Hello, boys. Hello, you right? Are we okay? How are we, how are we doing? Oh, it's great that we've got fixtures out today. Exactly. That's bound to lift everybody and... and reinvigorate this the support at the moment because we've been a bit down and we recent uh, months so much so that they can't actually turn up and go to the fixtures unfortunately the fans <laughs> yeah exactly but uh, yeah it's just I, I know that i'll say it in part jest but i know uh, there's, there's a lot of amp there's, there's a lot of i can't think of the word now angst angst is a good word Anger. yeah yeah yeah, and people have lost a lot of interest, unfortunately, haven't they? And uh, so the fixtures aren't quite as received as they would be in other circumstances and situations. But uh, it's still always an interesting day this, of the year, isn't it, for football fans? Yeah. yeah. Apathy was the word, wasn't it? That was the one we were looking for. Apathy's the word. That's the one. I'm getting thinking of antipathy, but yeah, apathy, yeah. That was the one. We, uh, we won't harp on about the apathy too much because I think we've done that to the... To the, to the... Mm. Now, well, we inevitably will talk about it because we've got to reflect the mood. But um, yeah, what, 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 can we start with you, Will? What, what, what do you make of fixtures? You've been busy pulling over the, 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 the forthcoming fixtures for the weeks and months ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those. It's an incidental cliche, but I play everyone twice, haven't you? But... Oh, he said it! No, I can't believe you! What am I... <laughs> no! <laughs> Don't say that! At the fourth. 
at the end of the day, you don't want to be going to Sunderland or that, do you? Like, or, or a whole open day this season. So, Shrewsby at home, you'd, well, you'd have taken Shrewsby away last season, wouldn't you? But, Jesus Christ, that was a, uh, a limp performance, wasn't it, up there at, at, at New Meadow? But, yeah, you're looking at the key times, really, aren't you? Christmas looks all right, albeit. To Accrington, it's not. It's not New Year's Day. Less, less. Uh, it's new. It's the second day, isn't it? So you can still go out and get on over and go. Up there. You must still be hungover on the second, though, Will. Uh, I don't go out <laughs> New Year, as you know. I can't stand it. Um, and then you're looking at the running as well. Sort of Bristol Rovers at home, AFC Wimbledon away, and then Accrington at home with Pompey still in the mix. It's still quite tight. You'd be expected to. To get over the line in, the, in those games as well, and then even the ones before, he goes back to Swins and MK Dons and, and Bay, and it's a, it's a good running as well, isn't it? For Pompey, um, the sticky patch looks to be sort of around around December time, really. Peterborough, Ipswich, Fleetwoods, Hull. That's four tough games, isn't it? When you when you're looking at those, and then even before that, Blackpool away on a Tuesday night, but and then Oxford before that. So I think that's definitely the sticky patch that Pompey are going to hit those. November, December time. It looks like that's where it's going to be tough for them. But yeah, Pompey can get a build a bit of bit of momentum in the early stages. You've got Shrewsbury. Expect you to expect to win that. Rochdale go up there. Expect to win that. And then Wigan. They're not going to be the force that that many expected to be. Are they? Paul Cook gone. So that added spice has gone. Jamal Lowe looks like he's going to be on his way. They're having a fire sale, aren't they? So God knows how strong Wigan are going to be when they come down. It's a good time to play them potentially. So. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can hit a, hit, hit the ground running, unlike they did last season when we know that was a, a big factor why Pompey didn't get promoted ultimately. Yeah, Neil, I could remember down the years we kind of excitedly dissecting these fixtures on on this day. So, what, what's your standout? Um, for me, AFC Wimbledon away on May the first, purely because it's a new ground. And not only is it a new ground, but by then, you'd imagine away supporters will be allowed into grounds. So, um, I know there are probably fans out there quite excited about this one because uh, uh, it's, it's always fantastic to go to a new ground, isn't it, really? And one we've not been to before. And, uh, and that one, it's, it's looked like it's going to be finished by the end of October. Uh, they're moving into Flower Lane, and sort of not, not the original site of Flower Lane, but more the, the Wimbledon Greyhound area. And um, uh, and by May the first, things hopefully could be back to normal in football. So uh, we all can go there, which would be fantastic. So that stands out for me. We always say it's, it's 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 we've been to a lot of these places. It's so so. We're dreading going to a lot of these places. Sick and tired of going to a lot of these places. So something new just just gives you that bit of edge, doesn't it? Just something to look forward to, doesn't it? Because yeah. we've had enough of Ackerton and. Fleetwood and Rochdale and no disrespect but we've had enough so Plough Lane not too far as well and hopefully a decent away following We'll be exploring the Wilberts Lane Chippy on September the 19th for our first away one won't we at Rochdale the renowned Chippy up there but I guess um, supporters perhaps not necessarily looking to the start as much as, as much as they would do in previous season they might naturally will start looking to probably around the October time yeah, so it's looking like MK Dons could be the first game back at Fratton Park that uh, a section of supporters will be allowed to attend. So um, that's as it stands. Uh, obviously, the government are talking about October the 1st. That's pencilled in. Mark Catlin's still 
believes that will be the case. He's not been told anything different. So that's what the Pompey are looking for to get some sort of supporter back. So um, yeah, that that that's that dates the one, uh, which means, as Will mentioned, the fans won't be able to see Wigan and they won't be able to see Shrewsbury. Yeah, well, well, you just touched on it. Speaking to Ryan Williams South this week, and he intimated what we all know that that it was the start that killed Pompey last season. So can they harvest a decent return from Shrewsbury, Rochdale, Wigan, Burton away, MK, Doncaster, those games at the start? I mean, last season, it wasn't an, a complete overhaul, was it? But Pompey's pre-season was disrupted. Obviously, Matt Clark went and he took a while to be replaced, didn't he? Kenny Jacko in pre-season. He never got his centre-half back right, did he? He was putting Naylor there. He was playing, he was playing down on the Naylor, down on the Raggett. Burgess was playing there, so he never got that right. Obviously, the protracted transfer saga over Jamal Lowe, he was still playing. And it, 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 What was the friendly? Was it Stevenage, was it, where he went up there and he played harness in the 10 and Lowe just had no interest whatsoever. So then you're playing, you're playing a pre-season with Jamal Lowe in it. So And then you've got Marquez coming. He came in late and he struggled to, to fit in, really, especially during the first half of the season, didn't he, where he was, he was struggling a little bit. So, I mean, the, the crumb of comfort you can take, I'm sure we'll get on to signings a little bit later, is that at least these players know each other now. And if there's a small group, and we do, Pompey needs bodies in desperately. They do. They need to freshen things up. But... For a couple of weeks, if they if they if they can grind out results, because let's not, let's let's forget a lot of these players know each other now. So you'd like to think that they're going to start the season in better form than last season. It might not be impressive. It might not be scintillating like some some fans want. But if they can grind out results in the first couple before new bodies come in, then then hopefully we won't have that problem again. As you said, with Ryan Williams, he's right. They, everyone knows it. It killed the season. They were playing catch-up for, for the majority. So, yeah, if you can get a few results and just pick it up and just slowly but surely build a bit of impetus, then when these new shoots do arrive, well, hopefully they are before the season starts. But if it takes a couple of weeks, which it might do, and they can slot in and have that little bit of extra that they will yeah, bring to the just, team. We're just sort of arcing into the, the, the realm of the lack of signings there. Um, I'm not accusing Ryan Williams this week of uh, the, the, the Pompey propaganda when he was talking about the fact that uh, um, a smaller score could be positive. I mean, he, he wasn't going to say anything else, let's face it, if that was him. But I can assure people he wasn't, he wasn't teed up for that one by Mark Catlin or Kenny Jackal. Although... We did mention there may have been one or two Pompey managers down the years that would have done that. Uh, but Neil, <laughs> you, yeah, you, you've picked up on that this week, haven't you? The lack of signings and the uh, and <laughs> what we all know is uh, a cause of consternation amongst the supporters. Yeah, I mean, the fact is, it's a fact. People can dispute this, but it is a fact. Pompey have not brought in a single new face into Fratton Park since Cameron McGeehan on January the 7th for the first team. No one. So I know people may say that's negative and it doesn't help the club. It's the truth. And that situation, not only does it frustrate supporters because it doesn't give you a lot too much hope going into the new season, but players as well. Players want to see the squad strengthened. They want to see new faces come in the door. They want to be lifted. We all want to be lifted. And, which no doubt will go into reasons which in fairness is not Bobby's fault in terms of the salary cap, Pompey are restricted, but how it is, is that they have not brought in a single 
new first team player since January the 7th. And if you want to go further back, they've not signed permanently a single first team new player since John Marquis on July the 31st. Now, I know Sean Raggett's arrived, but he's, he's not new. We know what he can do. We know he's a very good player at this level. He played 38 games last season. His loan was turned permanently. We know what he is. That is not a new player. That's not a new face. Um, that's, he's signed for probably to stay where they are. Mm. But if you probably, want to, probably need to strengthen, they need to, need to move forward. And as a result of not signing any players, they're a worse squad than they were going out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So they need players. They need injection of, of, of talent, of strength, whatever. And I'm sorry, but I cannot say how you can put a positive spin or, or remain apathetic. The fact they haven't signed any players. It's worrying. That's what it is. And sorry. I know they've got time and I know this and that, but they haven't signed any new players. And um, for a club like Pompey looking to get promotion, it is worrying. But Will Rooney's a fan of take that, we, we hear. He's saying, have a little patience, <laughs> aren't you, Will? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I just think that, you know, if you're going to sign players, they've got to be players who are going to come in and, and strengthen. Um, uh, that's a right, folks. Yes, you, you can't, with the salary cap sector, there's no luxury of bringing in your Joe Masons and your David Wheelers and your Louis Discrolls who are going to come in and, bolster the numbers and provide competition and ultimately be backup players. The, the players that Pompey have got to sign now have got to be players that are going to come in and make an impact and going to be able to to improve the, the, the starting eleven. And that might mean they've got to wait a couple of weeks for it. Um, you know, the, the, I, I pointed out that the players who they're looking at are players that you, you'd want at the club who was improved Pompey. Charlie Mulgrew, all right, that might not happen, but imagine if they've got Mulgrew, great signing. Leif Davis, you know, he's very highly rated by Bielsa at Leeds, be a good sign. Josh Knight, brilliant at Peterborough, wants to go to the Championship. He's waiting to see his options. Imagine it's a couple of weeks' time, Josh Knight goes right to kind of the Championship club. Let's go to Portsmouth. Oh, no, sorry, we've gone out and signed X player from. Barrow on Fairness or signs, you know, Y from Dagenham and Redbridge. Fans are being up pro because they haven't waited a couple of weeks, you know. I'm not saying that, that, that just can it now because we've got eight weeks now. It's eight weeks to transfer windows. Just, so just just be a little bit patient because the, the, the right player comes. And if you can't, if you, if you, you, can, only, you can only wait for so long, there, that's come to a point we think, right, we've got to move on now. We can't wait for this player. But mm. if you want to get the, the type of player that are going to improve Pompey and come in and make an impact, then We've just got to wait a couple more weeks. And I think if, if, if numbers were really low, we had 14, 15 in the squad, but then it's the time to panic. There's 19 there at the minute, so there's still enough, isn't there? There's still enough with a couple of youngsters who are playing the, in the um, EFL trophy games. There's, there's enough there for now. But, you know, we, we still need, as Joel discussed, the players. You still think another left-back's priority, another centre-back, Attacking the field and, and a striker as well. I think uh, I don't know about you lads if, if you agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, it's, uh, it's good. It's a good point about Isgrove because he came in and I know he didn't play and he had injuries and all sorts. He was a bit of a joke figure, but mm-hmm. he was there to give them strength in depth, wasn't he? That's purely his role. And Cook did the same, didn't he? He had Dominic Hyam, uh, the fullback from Wolves as well. Who was that that he never played as well? The young lad. 
Uh, I can't remember his name now, but they um, they were here purely to give depth, weren't they? Now, you can't do that anymore, can you? You can't do that with the changes, the squad sizes, salary cap, whatever. So, Pompey can no longer must look for first-team ready players, effectively, haven't they? Mm. They can't bolster the squad. And the squad is small because of this situation. So, for example, me and Jordan saw the friendly last week uh, against Norwich under-23s. And uh, it was a first 11 in the first half. The second half, there were about, what, three, four first-teamers and the rest mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. That's how big your squad is. Yeah. So it's completely changed. And I know people have a big thing about kids, give them a chance, give them a go. But I'm afraid it's a fact of life. Not every kid in the academy is going to be good enough for this league, let alone a League One club looking for promotion. Um, I'm not talking about the current crop, but we'll see how they get on. But uh, mm. you can't throw kids in there because if they're not good enough, a team will suffer, fans will get on their back, etc., etc. So he needs more players. But as Will rightly said, you can't get your, your wheelers and, and people like the Masons to, to bolster your squad and potentially not get used much. Andre Green's another one. Yeah. They have to be really competing for a first-team spot. Yeah. yeah. I think we're looking at... I think we, we most of us are in agreement here that what, a left-back, a left-sided centre-half, possibly, um, an attacking... Something a bit different we hear is what they want in midfield, um, an attacking player, and some pace up front. Obviously, critical that, you know, the striking situation that, that we really we can all see they're patently not strong enough in. So how does that work with three spaces in the in the squad? Uh, where 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 do you where do you plot your overage players? Do you think? Well, you, you, they want the priority at the moment is a left sided centre half. Um, that's what they want at the moment. Now, it's, Leif Davis is an interesting one because he plays left back, but he also has played on occasions at Leeds as a left-sided centre-half. Perhaps it kills two birds with one stone, especially with a small squad, I, I don't know. But they desperately, desperately want a left-sided centre-half, which means they can move Raggett, who's a natural right-footer, over to the right. Mm-hmm. So that's the situation with that one. Uh, you, can, you can have a kid. I think they need a kid on the bench who can come on loan from an academy club who won't count as a senior player as a squad number 22, who just can come off the bench and give them pace, energy, directness. They haven't got that among the striking options at the moment. Mm. There's no one in the squad that can do that. Uh, and perhaps a youngster can do that and also fit into the squad. And then, of course, you've got the number 10 role, which you've mentioned, um, which, from remember the last game of the playoffs, Marcus Harness was there. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, he's seen as an option this season as well. Perhaps it might be time to put him in there rather than recruiting one. We'll have to see in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, one, one name that has come up this week, Will, and, and an important caveat that this, this is not firmed up and sent at Pompey R in for, for Ben Woodburn, but it's a name that's emerged. As you know a bit about him, I've done a bit of my homework and he's, uh, he's had a lot of weight on his shoulders from a young age at Liverpool, hasn't he, this lad? Yeah, of course. Trav, when you, when you, you know, you've become the club's youngest ever goal scorer and people are going to think that you're going to be a world beater. I mean, it's a, bit, a little bit like when Joe Hancock made his, his debut down here, beat Gary O'Neill's record. People think he's going to be on to, to big things. But I, I don't... I, he's never quite kicked on at Liverpool. I don't think he's had a couple of opportunities. He went off to Sheffield United and, you know, with a, 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 he was in a team that effectively is 
a, a, you know, a, a top half Premier League, Premier League team when he was there in the Championship as well. So it was tough there. But you know, seems like he has a, a decent loan spell at um, at Oxford. Doesn't he? I know you spoke to to, the, to our colleagues up in um, in Oxford, Jersey, and it sounds like he, he shows a bit of promise. Albeit he has a couple of injuries, but when he was fit at the start of the season, he was a um, a very very useful player to have. I couldn't help but be infused off the conversation. Um, he, he did. It will be judged probably um, as, as a not so much as a failure, but a, a failed loan move, shall we say, at Oxford, because he played 16 games, was finding his feet at Oxford at the start of last season, and then picked up a fractured foot. Then he came back later at the start of the year, then fractured in training at Liverpool his other foot. Um, it's just so unrelated injuries, impact injuries. So there's no suggestion he's an injury-prone player. Um, and then that that was him out until literally the the, the first leg of the playoffs. He came back in cold and um, the first leg at Fratton Park in the playoffs and, and came off after 55 minutes. Um, he was one actually that Robinson brought on in the second leg in the last minute for a penalty. And the, he, I can't discuss his penalty in Woodburn. But um, there's a there was a lot to be you know encouraged about in terms of what what he did there. Um, apparently he started off in the ten position, which we say you know probably no popular looking in that area. Uh, but that was in a four-two-three-one. Then Oxford switched to a four-three-three, and he played more as an eight. And 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 really, that was when he started to shine by all accounts and started to pick up some momentum. Then, then the injury came along. But Robinson obviously thinks the world of him. Uh, he, he brought him in, uh, played him as a ten, gave him the number ten shirts, and you know he's, he's had all this. Potential at Liverpool when he got the youngest goal scorer. Then his first, his second cap for Wales at such a young age. He scored the winner against Austria in a World Cup qualifier. So he's, he's come in and really made a lot, a lot of noise at, at a young age. So um, I think, as you said, he, he ticks a lot of boxes. Will in, in your piece when you analyse them, he certainly, he certainly does that. It, it certainly works um, in terms of Allery Cap as well. Yeah, was that what we saying at the age of twenty? Yeah. So, He's under the age there, so he won't count towards the squad number. Um, some talk of Germany, uh, so um, it might be uh, they, they may want it, want him to go somewhere else and, and have a more rounded education as well. But one well, we'll certainly chase up and try and get firmed up. But it might just be a case of, uh, of what's your what's your what's your space on that one. Um, so we'll see. But Neil, Neil, you were talking about we just touched on it earlier. Uh, five Lakes last week and. <laughs> The excellent press facilities at Five Lakes that we enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Just give everyone an insight into last weekend. Yeah, obviously, um, we were invited to cover the game. We knew about the game in advance, but we weren't allowed to say where the venue was because for obvious reasons with coronavirus and bubbles and all sorts, uh, they were trying to keep people away. So, um been there a couple of times in 2013 and 2014 and the firstly, Guy Whittingham and Andy Orford, so well familiar with it and um, good facilities. And uh, from memory, they've got these sort of chalet areas outside the back, so you can keep the players away from uh, the rest of the public. So they, they kept them at arm's length, which is correct, and maintaining pro, uh, pro, the process there. And uh, yeah, it was a bit strange with our uh, with our chairs sat alongside the the touchline watching the game and. Uh, uh, and inevitably, John Westwood and Simon Milne turned up again in the corner. They always find out where these places are. And um, <laughs> a quirk of fate, there was a couple there from Fair and Pompey fans who just happened to be staying at the hotel. 
and then discovered the team were what were playing that day, so they wandered down as well. <laughs> and um, it was just a typical friendly, wasn't it, really? And uh, uh, for me, I, we, again, you go back to how new faces, and there haven't been any. And for me, I, I really wanted to see Hackett Fairchild play because uh, I've barely seen any of him. Fans have barely seen anything of him. So uh, I was quite looking forward to watching him, but unfortunately he was injured. So uh, we, you know, you had a few youngsters to look at, but but largely it's players you know what they can do, and uh, and they're still here. So it was a disappointment. Hackett Chair Fairchild again missing because um, he is meant to op- offer a left-sided option, but we're not seeing that. So um, uh, hopefully he can be featured in the, in the next few friendlies and uh, and the season as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had our brollies out. There was no. It's just a training picture. That when it started raining, we literally had our laptops and the brollies over the top. <laughs> Muslim group. Uh, so yeah, it's different press press facilities, shall we say? But lovely for Pompey to welcome us. But Neil Neil just talked about the, the Pompey bubble up at Five Lakes. Um, I think Brighton might be having a bubble though. Will what, uh, what's going on this week? By all accounts, yeah. I mean. <laughs> It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, the, I think first year they played them, the lads are reporting. Last year, when the lads wasn't in the same this year, I mean, as you said, it. I just don't understand it. Is it an ego thing if they draw or get beat by, by a League One team? Is it like a bad PR for Brighton or something like that? This club on the rise, or we can't be seen getting getting beat by a League One side? I just don't understand it, but it's going to be a good way. Clarify there, Will, it's uh, Brighton are, aren't allowing us to report on the game, are they? Uh, nor, nor even Pompey's own media. It's just, it's just crazy. It's, it? it's just it'd be a good work of Pompey and all the stand all understanding. It's it's gonna be a first team game, it's a first team Brighton outfit that, that's gonna feature um obviously Matt Clark will be coming up against his his old side, um which will be which will be uh, fairly decent, won't it? I mean be an interesting one for Matt Clark this season, see how he does after a very good long spell at Derby and whether he can uh, whether he can break in at Brighton, obviously coming up against Adam Webster as well against his uh, it's all sad. Not many now that he'll, uh, he'll remember, really, is there? Who he's played with Pompey, Jack Watmore, Gareth Evans, Ben Close. Yeah. I can't really think of any more, can you, to be honest with you, otherwise? No. no. Well, we, 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 we hopefully could have had a chance to have a look at maybe Cochrane a bit and they played a couple of the kids. Yeah. Um, but uh, in the, it's another, I can't, I've got to pull up Brighton on this. I don't think I've ever known a club that don't want a result of a game reported. Uh, uh, you know, we, we the stuff that get embargoed as journalists that we, we cover, and uh, stuff that we, uh, for legal reasons you're not allowed to report, and, and court mm. reasons um, and your news report. Neil, not allowed to report a result though. What's that all about? It's just bizarre. Do you remember there was a game, wasn't there, in the uh, the dark days of, uh, of media access where we were told we weren't allowed to report on the goal scorer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not a sort friendly by any chance. Yeah, that was bizarre, wasn't it? <laughs> that was absolutely bizarre. Um, they even told us a goal scorer to... It, it, it was... Uh, what was it? it was the lad from the... Was it, was it, it was Berlin Giovanni, scored? Giovanni Torre, the young... It, yeah, it, it was Berlin who scored, and we were told to say it was Giovanni Torre. Um, now, they've got different skin colours for a start, and... Uh, uh, <laughs> They were told not a chance would we be lying about a goal scorer and a friendly when there's fans present as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, the, I mean the, the best, the best fr- going off track here. My my oh. favourite friendly story is when Pompey um, lost against um, 
I think they lost at South End and one of the, the, the directors at the time, a character called David Chiswick, under the guide of Matt Years, told the club website to, uh, to, put, to put the defeat at the very bottom so no one would see about it. There's <laughs> <laughs> an article on the website. And uh, it also happened when Pompey lost against Haven and Waterloo, when they were told not to put up a match report whatsoever. Um, strange times, but uh, yeah, back back to Bryson. It's it's a bit it's it's, it's weird, isn't it? it? Really is, and uh, not so much for us. But if I was Pompey, I'd be outraged. Why can't you? Why can't you put a scoreline of a friendly you're involved in? How dare they tell Pompey who are involved in the friendly what to do? None of their business. So if I was Pompey, I'd be furious. But uh, as the, the media, they can do what they like with us, especially as they host it. So. You know, but for Pompey, tell him to clear off. So, good old, you just got me harping back to the the, the Pompey Prafter days of uh, not reporting stories and the uh, and the lack of access we were given. But now it seems like Bryson have taken over with the uh, picked up the reins of the uh, the communist approach <laughs> to reporting games. Anyway. <laughs> but look, we're just going to roll on. We got to we got to we haven't we've gone we've done well to go half twenty minutes half an hour without mentioning the wage cap. But um, we've got to tap on it just uh, briefly. A big game because it has kicked on this week, chiefly in the rhetoric from Mark Catlin really being wrapped up with a, a Pompey Q&A, pretty much intimation that they will look at court action. Yeah, you wrote the story, John. You can dance this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it has been wrapped up, isn't it? I mean, well, let's face it, lads. We, we, we've all been speaking to Mark Catlin and... He's been kind of privately intimating this, hasn't he, for for a while now, and talking about about the, uh, the possibility of court action. But it does it does ramp things up somewhat, doesn't it, to uh, come out and publicly suggest that? I think we all know Pompey would rather stay behind the PFA in in, in their arbitration, and they they are talking with the PFA in close contact um, on this one. But then it basically comes down to what I think a lot of people don't realise is. Um, you know, including financial experts that are slamming Pompey for, for not supporting the wage cap. Is Pompey are in favour of a wage cap, and what they do 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 want is not too far removed from what's on the table. But they, the, 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 in fact, the standout news from this week is that Pompey want to flex their gate receipts up to beyond the the, the, the wage um, cap of two and a half million. So if you earn more, then you know. And you, can do so in the wage receipts, which are centrally registered with the mm. ESL. So you can't put a fast one. There's no con to be had here. It takes a lot of hard work to, if the gate receipts are registered with the ESL. So if they go above the two and a half million, then why can't you uh, add that to your budget is Pompey's argument. And the contract extensions, which Pompey are arguing about the likes of Alex Bass that they've extended and Ronan Curtis, you, you just can't do that now because they would effectively have to take a wage cut. So. Pompey arguing that they should be able to um, extend contracts and that be treated at the divisional average. Uh, I, I guess the other news being that, that, that we've been informed that this would the, the, the gate receipts would put Pompey's budget up to about four, four and a half million. Likewise, Ipswich, I think Sunderland would be up to about six and a half. So doesn't mm. that make sense? Hey, I think the most telling thing about this whole process is that you've got people like Ashley Brown who wants yeah. self-sustainability and is currently um, in his role with the Football Sports Association and obviously a pivotal member of the Trust and also on the board as well. Uh, he wants self-sustainability. He wants clubs to stop going into financial problems. Um, 
So he's not against this because it affects Pompey. He wants something to be done, but he can't see this as being a solution. Similarly, Solomon Colebrook, who's uh, chairman of the Pompey Trust, um, again, he's looking at it logically from a fan point of view. He wants self-sustainability. That's what the, both those people represent. However, mm -hmm. he, he insists this is not the solution. This is not the right way forward. So if you've got ones like that completely against it, what does it say about the concept? Because they're not coming at this from a Pompey point of view. They're logical, rational, reasonable guys who want self-sustainability and clubs to function without falling into debt and without being driven by owners into debt. Um, and they can't see it. this as being the solution. So for me, that says it all. Because, again, John, I read the quotes from the guy from Sheffield Hallam University. Um, mm. But I, I trust the view of Ashley Brown. I trust the view of Simon Colebrook. Uh, they're, they're not influenced purely by, by like Pompey blue tinted spectacles. They cannot see this as being the answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andy Hall at Atkinson Will was saying that, you know, that well, intimating it, he didn't name Pompey, but saying people are crying about this and um, it, obviously intimating that Pompey aren't letting the, the issue go. But even Darren McCantony, uh, you know, very outspoken figure. Who, who, who's saying now that you know, we need to get on with this and he's really against the PFA in the point that he admits um, that what Pompey are effectively arguing for is what should have been done. So I think even people within the game are honest enough to admit this isn't about uh, sustainability so much as leveling the playing field. It's crazy though they sell Adam Tony for, say they get whatever they want and all that 10 million's been mooted all, mm. but they're not going to be able to reinvest that money all right you can bring players in on transfer fees can't you but you know so you want to bring a, a lead two striker in and you think right we'll get him in if you're going to be a replacement for tony you think right i want to be paid the money to be replaced by tony i'm not coming in you're not buying me for half a million pounds i'm going to be on 1300 pounds a week i want to be i want to be paid like i'm going to be your main man who's going to fire into the championship it's a funny one mccantley because obviously he's a good owner and he's very he's very open and honest but it's not like Peterborough getting massive gate results have gate receipts have and things it like that. Them, so, yeah, it suits them. Exactly. Too. So, you know, he is a good owner, etc. And they've got a good side, got a very good side, and they've done it well and they've done the scouting well, etc. But as you say, it suits them and it doesn't suit Pompey, unfortunately. It just it's just it is just bizarre. It's just I, I can't really well, when Pompey sold low last year, he obviously low left after Clark. Hmm. They sold low to Wigan. Obviously, still waiting for a bit of money from them. But, um, um, and with that money, some of that money, they bought in John Marquis. Now, they wouldn't be able to do that now. For a start, they could afford to buy him, but they wouldn't afford his wages. So, they could, so that's going to set the sights lower down, wouldn't they, then? So, simple as that. If this happened this time last year, Mark, John Marquis wouldn't be at the club because they wouldn't be allowed to pay the wages. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's one that's going to run and run. I think the game are slowly, the, the people that think Pompey are agitating are slowly coming around to this. But um, lads, um, we, I'm due to be speaking to Joe Gallon. We're keeping him waiting, so I hope people appreciate uh, uh, us doing this podcast. But thank you very much as ever for your insight. Fantastic forthright opinion as ever. Uh, um, I hope you enjoy listening to this edition of Pompey Talk. We'll see you again soon.
Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the Portsmouth News website for just £1 a month for the first three months for everything you need to know about Portsmouth and more.